Good morning. Why don't we um, have a word of prayer before we get started? Heavenly Father, we just thank you for Dave and all that he does, how he reaches out to people. Sometimes it's not too easy to talk to people when they're under stress and having trouble, Lord, but he, he calls on you, Lord, and he, he calls on your name, and you speak through him, and we just thank you for him, Lord. We just ask that you speak through us this morning, that we can all understand how we can use you, Lord, how you, we can call on your name, and you'll give us the words to say. You'll give us the mind that you have, Lord, the unconditional love that you have. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. So as you know, I'm Brian. I'm one of the elders, and um, we're going to talk about hospitality and um, also the shepherding. And um, what we're going to talk about mainly is what Dave has already been doing for a couple years, but we're going to bring it to the light of you and let you know what he does so, and what we all need to do. So hopefully our goal is we can all learn from this, myself and all of us, you know, how we can give love and kindness to people, even when those type of people aren't so easy to love and be kind to. Those are the ones that need it the most. Um, I can remember saying to Brenda sometimes, Brenda would tell me, you know, you need to do this, Brian. I said, well, that's not too easy. I don't think I'm going to do that. But that's exactly the type of people we need to share with. So we need to remember that. Sometimes what the Lord wants us to do isn't the easiest thing. And so we need to listen to him. And it'll all turn out fine in the end. We need to remember that. So um, a great example of hospitality, our final activity, is to commission our deacons and part of the shepherding ministry. I will ask Dave, a new elder also Dave is, and along with Todd Davis, he's also a new elder. Dave is also a veteran deacon and a director of shepherding ministry. We will start off today's interview with some background of the great commandment. Well, thanks, Dave, for coming and sharing with us. How's it going? Okay, that's good. Thank you, Brian. And you can be easy on me and with these questions, you know. Well, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I know, and we will see. I have a lot of questions, so let's go. What is the great commandment? When Jesus was asked, he said, this is from Luke 10, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Why is it great? Well, this is the greatest thing that Jesus has called us to do. It really is the, the greatest. No other way of living works out as well as following the great commandment. Why does Jesus command us to do this? He could make it a suggestion or he could make it a commandment. And just trying to understand the heart of the Father here, a commandment says, this is really, really important for you guys. Not because the Father wants us to, wants to subject us or have us go through a bunch of, of, uh, of rules and regulations, but he wants to give us a happy life. Following the great commandment is his way to do that. Okay. Do you have a summary of all this? <laughs> if you go out to the east parking lot here, there's a 2019 Hyundai Sonata. Its color is metal gray. Excuse me, gun metal gray. And... 
there's a bumper sticker on the back that says, love God, love people. You've probably heard a Christian uh, singing, recording artist have a song by that same title, love God, love people. But that summary limits us some, and we're going to open, open that up a little bit and look at what the great commandment says in addition to just love God, love people. What is love? God's love toward us is not a feeling, it's an action. Thus, the love that we share should be the same thing. There, there's probably an emotional uh, part to it, but love without action is like faith without action. It's dead. It's just a feeling, and it doesn't accomplish anything. It's, it's saying something like this, and I'm going to direct this to Brian uh, my dear friend Brian, I love you, and I love you unconditionally. There's nothing you can do good to make me love you more. And there's nothing you can do bad to make me love you any less. I'm totally committed to the very best for you. And I will sacrifice to meet your needs anytime. Just call me. That's for me, a good definition of how we, as people, God's, God does it his own way. But for us, if we can do those kinds of things, it's a good definition for, for, uh, for loving each other. So where is relationship in all this? Okay, we've all heard this, the statement that love is all about relationships. Can you hear me okay in the back? Okay, good. Thanks for the signal, Jeremiah. I appreciate that. Okay, so love is about relationships. It's actually in the great commandment. It's just below the surface. So we're going to just look down below, explore, and, and figure out how to embrace that today. So the question, how can we love God if we don't know who he is? If we don't know what he's about? And what kind and amount of love satisfies him? We can know him, though, by relating to him. Here's relationship, relating to him. And two best ways for relating to him, spend time with him and dig into the word. In fact, if you look, if you look about this and think about it, the Great Commission is as much about relationships as it is about loving. If we could restate it, the Great Commission would say, be in a strong relationship with God when you interact with him, operate in love. Let me repeat that. Be in a strong relationship with God, and when you interact with him, operate only in love. I forgot the only first time. So what's my all? In the Great Commandment, Jesus mentioned using all of my heart and soul and strength and mind. Essentially, he says to love God with great passion and with intentionality. This is going beyond just making God a priority. The wording here is appropriately strong. He's in effect saying, if you are following the great commandment now, you are really pleasing me. There are other things I want you to do, but they can wait. For now, just learn how to do the Great Commission. I'm sorry, the Great Commandment well. What is God's all? 
And Brian, doesn't Jesus love us with great passion and intentionality? Mm -hmm. It does for me. It's part of his nature and part of his character, and we cannot mess up things when we do things the way he does. What's the next part? Jesus added a double follow-up when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. If we unpack this statement, he says, start to learn to love yourself as you love me, and then carry that love to your neighbor. Loving myself first? Yep. Why would God skip over us and have us focus all this love we're getting from him to other people and not let it rest on us and affect us? He loves us with great passion. Oops, my watch is talking. <laughs> he loves us with uh, great passion and intentionality, and he wants us to love up on ourselves as well. Loving myself also has a strong relationship component. We should learn about our, our body and our soul in order to love ourselves completely. Then we should use what we learn about ourselves to take good care of our bodies, like exercise, rest, nutrition, those kinds of things, and take care of our souls, like meditating on the word, getting emotional healing, and making wise and thoughtful decisions, those kinds of things. God wants us to function well, first for him in, our, in the relationship with him, for ourselves, and, and then we are functioning better to interact and love our neighbors. Give me a soul care example. Okay. I have a set of self-ratings that we use to measure soul health, specifically to measure uh, emotional and spiritual maturity. One of the categories in this, uh, in this uh, measure is self-talk. It's what we say to ourselves, especially what we say about who we are and our identity. <clears throat> so the question is, for this particular measure, is our self-talk, is it more positive or more negative? What, do we, what kind of things do we say to ourselves? Do we say we're a failure, or do we say that uh, God loves us, and I'm his child, and he looks at me as being perfect? So if it's not mostly positive, we should work to change the self-talk to be more positive. This is just an example of good soul care. The final part, loving my neighbor in the parable of the, of the Good Samaritan from Luke 10, Jesus says that our neighbor is everyone, including those that are different from us. So the target audience for our love is everyone on the planet, and we should operate in love. Our strategy should be to spend time with our neighbors socially and learn about them and their needs so that we can love them extravagantly. Loving extravagant, excuse me, extravagantly means two things, meeting their needs as we can and doing things to delight them, to make them feel special. So what kind of caution is there with this? 
when we're interacting with our neighbors and someone is not a Christian, they haven't received Jesus, we, we have a tendency to want to follow the Great Commission and lead them to Jesus. But the way God has set it up for us, he's, the Great Commandment is to love them first. And along the way, we may have an opportunity to lead them to Jesus. In fact, the, the love that we show them, God uses, can, can use to open them up to receiving the gospel. Uh, love first, it never, excuse me, love first, it never fails, from 1 Corinthians 13. Do you have a tip for us? Sure. On the flow of the love. The love that we're talking about here comes from God. It doesn't come from us, from the flesh, because the flesh is wicked. But the love of God, he extends to us that we can receive, and we receive some of it for us, what we need, and then we can pass it on to other people. That's the flow. Do you have a better tip? Yeah, about relationships. We know that they are of primary importance. And we can strengthen relationships in the decisions we make that involve people. We can ask ourselves this question when we're making a decision that involves people. How can I build relationship with this person through the decision that I make? And if it's by family, you know, uh, we as a family, how do, how do we uh, make a decision that, that involves people but build relationship through the course of it? I'm still learning to do this. Uh, early last week, a neighbor lady came by and she wanted some information about from the homeowners association we have over in Liberty Village, right beyond the, the gunmetal gray car in the in a parking lot. And uh, she was asking about the uh, the bylaws and asked if I could send her a copy, which I told her I would. And she said that she was th thinking about leaving in the the village as a homeowner and uh, maybe leasing the property. And I promised that, um, or I told her that we would love to have her stay around, which was an okay thing to say. And after some reflection, I realized that the response that I gave to her was somewhat personal, but it wasn't relationship-focused. And I had to think about this and pray about it, but figure, figuring out some relationship-building words I went back to her yesterday and, and told her that, that uh, I'm speaking for Pam, Precious Pam too, that we consider her a good neighbor and then I changed it to a great neighbor and told her that we will miss her if she does move out. And what I saw for the first time ever from this lady was a smile, <laughs> it was great. And she said, thank you for the kind words. That's just a way of doing relationship building in the, in the things that we do and say to people. Again, our screening question for decisions is, how can I build a relationship with this person through this decision? Sometimes I get one answer. Sometimes I get two from Jesus on how to do it. But relationships are that important that he'll speak and, and give guidance in this area. So do you have a final summary? The good, if I can get this, there, there we go. The Great Commission is, well, I'm going to say it a little differently than love God, love people. Love God with great passion and intentionality. 
Love yourself by taking good care of your body and your soul. And love your neighbors extravagantly by meeting their needs and doing things to delight them. So let's switch gears and talk about hospitality, a clear example of the Great Commission. Do you have a definition for this? The dictionary does. The friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests. Repeating. The friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests. Where do you do this? Typically, we think of hospitality as happening in the home. How about at church? Let's ask one of our congregants about hospitality here at Connection. Does anybody want to come up here? Can you help us, ma'am? Why, sure. <laughs> I wasn't expecting this, so excuse the off-the-cuff answer here. Um, so we actually have a hospitality function here at Connection, and that includes our greeting team and our coffee ministry, and then also um, we're in the works of setting up a visitor center. And so the main goal, like Dave said, we mostly think of hospitality in our homes, but um, transferring that to a church setting can seem sometimes kind of corporate. Um, so my thought behind all of that is just taking the rest and the comfort and the attention that you give a guest in your home and trying to put that here in our church building. And so smiling faces are really important. And if you're interested in any of those ministry opportunities, you can come talk to me. Thanks for asking, Brian. Thank you, Maria. You always have something to say. So, Brian, how in the world did, you know, with all these people out here in the congregation, how did you know to contact Maria? She's in charge of our integration ministry, hospitalities. What a great choice. Do you want to know the real answer, or you want to know what you told me to say? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? Both? <laughs> no, seriously, um, Maria helps a lot in the church, and I knew she would have an answer for me. So, yeah, that's all I'm going to say. If I say any more, I'm going to get myself in trouble. <laughs> okay, so let's go on. Do we have another definition? We do. We do. Taking, you know, using the, the, uh, the dictionary definition and, and throwing in what God expects, hospitality is teeming with Jesus to love people in my home. Real simple. Teeming with Jesus to help people in my home. According to 2 Corinthians 6, we are working together with Jesus. So he wants to be hospitable to these people just as, just as much as we do in the home. We can team with him in showing hospitality 
And we've also, along the way, fulfilled the great commission of loving our neighbors. So give us an example of how God is hospitable. Okay, how about three? <laughs> That'd be okay. Okay. Thank you. Uh, God provided a home for us with basic needs when he created the world and, and gave us a planet, a temporary place, a temporary home, but it has all the air, the water, the plants, the animals, the minerals, etc. we need to exist and thrive on the planet. A second would be Jesus' hospitality in the upper room when he had a dinner for the uh, disciples and then washed their feet, including, Jesus, including Judas, and he knew that he was going to be betrayed by him. Another one is preparing a permanent home for us, not the planet Earth, but a permanent home. In John 14, 2, in my Father's house are many rooms or dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? One thing Jesus will do before the second coming is to prepare a dwelling place for us in the Father's house for each of us who have received him. And finally, he's also preparing a feast for us. In Revelation 19.9, blessed are those who are invited to the wedding feast of the Lamb. And these would be people who've uh, received him. He's pre he is, uh, is preparing a feast to welcome us and celebrate our final union with him. And again, this is for all of those who have received him here on earth. Shouldn't we do the same? Okay, here's some scriptures about this and just what, what uh, God tells us in his word about our role in hospitality. Romans 12, 13, pursue or practice hospitality. Brief, but you know, to the point that he wants us to do that. We should make hospitality a habit. In 1 Peter 4, 9, be hospitable to one another without complaining. We know that there are some people that are easier to entertain than others. We should invite them all with no discrimination. Maybe not all at the same time, but over time, hit a variety of different types of people, some that you really love to be around and others that are more difficult, and treat them all with God's love. And the final scripture is Hebrews 13.2. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. We should keep at it, the scripture says. We may have some amazing experiences. Do you have a tip for us? We don't have to be, we don't have to have a perfect home to practice hospitality. It's certainly okay if the home is mostly clean and somewhat decluttered. <laughs> and here's an example. My first wife and I led a, um, a small group biweekly in our home when we were living in Seattle. And we had five rugrats, three special needs boys, one of them here is here today, and two foster sisters. And we tried to keep up with the house cleaning, but it was just too much. You know what happened? And I bet you don't, Brian. Oh, you've read this. You do know. You okay. cleaned the house. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, these hands are weapons of mass destruction. Okay. 
Jesus kindly sent us a couple of small group members who came to the house about a half hour before the small group meeting, and they helped us clean, and they did what we couldn't do by ourselves. It turned out that our home was spotless every two weeks just before the meeting was the only time. So please give permission to yourselves to have a less than perfect home when you entertain. Wow, they gave you a dose of your own medicine. That's pretty cool. Have a plan for hospitality? Here's a process we can think about. Pray for love, a warm greeting, meet basic needs, focus on them, socialize, and the goodbye. Pray for love? Before the guests arrive, ask God to give you his love for your guests. Also tell him you want to team up with him to love them, to meet their needs, to bring delight to them, and to socialize with your guests. And what is the greeting? A hug, if it's loud. And if you're willing to do that. Some people are a little skittish about it, but it's something we can learn to do, I think, in most cases. Make it personal, the greeting. And here's a couple of examples of things we can say when, when someone comes into the home. I'm glad you're finally here. Let them know that, that you're thinking about them and there's an emotional attachment. Or, I've been waiting for you to show up. What are their basic needs? Communicate in the invitation to someone about your serving plans. Uh, in all cases, we want to have water available, maybe some beverages. Besides that, uh, let them know if you're going to have, have them over for snacks, if there's a full meal, if you plan to wash their feet as Jesus did, all those kind of things. Just let them know. How do you focus on them? Brian, can you say it's not about me? Can you say that? I can say that, but Brenda wouldn't believe me. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it's not about me in, in entertaining, in showing hospitality. It's letting the love of Jesus flow through me to my guests. How do you do socializing? Use your creativity and your social skills and listen to the Holy Spirit. And just have some time of socializing, getting, getting to hang out with someone. And how do you say goodbye? Be gracious. Thank them for their coming. Even though you've probably put more effort into the whole thing than they have, thank them for, their, for coming. And give a, a personal reaction to their visit, how it impacted you. So is there anyone here that's um, done anything like this? Um, you know, sometimes it can be so simple. It can be a friend or a neighbor. And we don't think that we're doing anything, and that's, that's the way it should be. We're just helping someone. You know, I was thinking about when Dave was talking, and he was giving us the scriptures, that Jesus constantly was helping others, and he never had to. Do you think about it, you know, when God put Jesus on the earth, you know, we would think him as a king or a ruler, but Jesus was no ruler. You know, Jesus was always thinking of us first. 
Obviously, he gave his life for us. But just think of all the times in the Bible that we read where Jesus has helped someone, stopped and helped someone when he was busy, you know? I remember the story when he's walking through the crowd of people, and um, he stops, and they look at him like, what is your problem? And he goes, well, somebody just touched me. And they go, no kidding. We're in a crowd of people. Of course somebody touched you. And he goes, no, somebody grabbed my coat. And it was a lady that needed healing. And he could feel that. He could feel the power leaving his body. He, could, he knew that somebody <clears throat> needed help. And he stopped and he helped them. Now, I know that you think you're always busy. I know I think I'm always busy. But you know what? What does it matter? You know, it's given me new, new thoughts since there's been a war, you know, overseas. You know, I think about what are those people thinking? When I wake up in the morning, I'm thinking about, did they even get any sleep? Of course they didn't. They're in constant fear. So what is important? Have you ever thought, what would that happen to our land? It really hit me yesterday when I told Brenda I was watching the TV and I just saw a tank go across a stock field. Now, a stock field is what I have. It's what's left when you combine the corn. There's corn stalks out there. And man, it really hit me hard when I saw that tank going across a corn stalk field. I'm like, wow, what if that would happen here? So you see that nothing really else matters. It's just you and Jesus. That's all that matters. He has blessed us. We get to sit here today relaxed and talk about the Lord. We get to read his word anytime we want. You know, I, re- I usually read his word when I'm sitting at my breakfast table all by myself, and it's quiet. Or like this morning, I put Keith Green on my phone. I just had it blasting over the whole house. But I could praise the Lord with that. I could do whatever I wanted. we got to remember that. Don't take that for granted. Don't take that for granted. And remember that it's just between you and Jesus. And you can talk to him anytime you want to. And he's always listening. He can be your best friend. It's the most important decision you'll make your whole life. So think about that, because what we talked about this morning, we didn't make up. You know, Dave didn't make it up. It came straight out of the Bible. And the Lord has put it on his heart to go and see people and talk to. And, you know, there's sometimes when we go talk to somebody, we want to share the love of God with them that they don't want to hear the love of God. That's the last thing I want to do. I remember going to a lady's house one time after her son had just died, and I wanted to pray for her. And she goes, don't you talk to me about God. She was very bitter because she'd lost her son, and rightly so. But we got to remember, you know, people don't always go to where we go when we're hurting. But just remember that the Lord is always there for us. It is so simple, isn't it? But just remember, when Jesus was here on earth, he was thinking about others constantly and not himself. Now, that's the kind of king I would like to follow. Sorry. (laughs) That was good. 
Did, do you want to ask the question to the congregation? Do you want me to do it? Go ahead. Okay. So this is for you guys, and I like, would like you to raise your hand if you have done what I mentioned. I'm going to mention several things here, and just raise your hand if you have done this personally. If, have you had a guest or, I'm sorry, hold on, okay, have you had a guest or a family spend one night with you? A little higher, please, I can't, okay, good. If you, have you had a guest or family spend several nights with you? Okay, about the same, good. <clears throat> Excuse me. A guest or family needing a home moves in for a specific amount of time. Okay, quite a few there. Good. A guest or family needing a home moves in with no specified end date. Okay. You open your home to a foster child or siblings. want to take a moment here and just uh, a shout out to Katrina Nowachik and Emily Roncaray for uh, helping lead connection and doing work to support foster children. Thank you guys. Okay. Is Katrina here? Another question. How many of you had, have adopted a local child? Okay, have, have that here. Adopted a culturally different child. Okay. Adopted a special needs child. Okay, several hands there. Adopted a foreign child. Or hosted a church small group. Every time you raised your hand, you testified about doing an act of biblical hospitality. Jesus is pleased with you. You have earned a reward. Okay, now would um, Tony like to come forward? Excuse, excuse me, Brian. I'm jumping. You're jumping. You missed something. Why, Dave, do you have an acronym to share with us? <laughs> do you remember that? Nope. Okay, I do. <laughs> While Brian's looking through that, we have an acronym for the word hospitality. Having the opportunity to serve people in total abundant love in teeming with Yahweh. Oh, I'm sorry, teaming with Yeshua, which is an, the uh, Hebrew word for Jesus. Let me, let's do that one again. Maybe Brian will find it. Yeah, I found it. Good for you. <laughs> you, you want to do I it? I skipped just a whole half a page. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> Hospitality, having the opportunity to serve people in total abundant love in teaming up with Yeshua, Yeshua or Jesus.